When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto. I'm Ash Bennington. Today, I'm joined by Joe Zhao, partner at Millennia Capital, to talk about capital markets, crypto markets, and the Fed. Joe, welcome to Real Vision. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Ash. It's great to be on. You know, it's exciting to have you here. We've wanted to have you on the platform for some time. Uh, you and I actually met in Miami at the Bitcoin 2022 conference. I believe we were standing in line to get into one of the uh, like insane South Beach uh, parties. You and I got to talking. I'm not saying this is the way it happened, but this is the way I remember it. We're standing in line like outside trying to get into this hotel uh, and we start talking. And I remember thinking to myself, man, this guy really knows this stuff. What's your background? So with that, tell us a little bit about your backstory, because it's a really interesting one and very much informs the conversation we're going to have today. Well, well, thanks, man. Thanks, Ash. It was great to meet you with Mike. It's my honor. Absolutely. And I met two of your coworkers, and that was also a great conversation. So, I, uh, so I'm a founder uh, at a venture capital growth equity fund called Melinda Capital in New York. Um, but before uh, 10 plus years ago, I was uh, a macroeconomist at the Fed. Uh, spent several years there during the crisis after working on many of the policies that that, that, that were uh, active at that time, QE, uh, exit strategy, uh, capital markets, and ultimately uh, left to go to business school. But um, but now that, but, but I was always interested in sort of capital markets, econ, macro. And so when I decided to become an entrepreneur, uh, one of the areas that I'm trying to leverage in my own background to understand uh, crypto, fintech, and tech, and, and et cetera, is sort of the how the Fed operates and how that sort of impacts um, uh, asset prices, capital flow, fundraising, et cetera. And I personally feel that um, I wish the impact of cap public markets, the stock market, bond market, and Fed policy and macro is better understood in private markets because even though um, you know, private valuations are, you know, are, are mostly stale and it doesn't change day by day or hour by hour, a, a lot of intrinsically what's going on is directly impacted by what's going on at, the, at, at, at a macro level, which is why I wanted to kind of, kind of have this conversation to hopefully to give you a couple of insights on how the sort of the government, the Fed, the Fed world works. Obviously, you have an interesting background, to say the least, having worked at the Fed uh, and now being in the private market side of the business. So let's talk a little bit about the context, about the framework, about where we are right now. It's July 1st. Uh, as we film this conversation, What's happening? I think a lot of our viewers, particularly on the crypto side, hear a lot of chatter about what's happening with central banks. Bring us a little bit of context. What's the big picture, 50,000 foot story? Yeah, so in my mind, there's what led us to this point in terms of all the market volatility in crypto and tech in the growth sector. And I think also importantly, what, what are some of the forecasts that a lot of people have? What's going to happen? Because people want to know how we got here. But most and more importantly, people want to know where are we going from here. So where we, how we got here is sort of a, in my own words, a perfect storm of um, a perfect storm 
of several factors that merging together to create the environment that we're in, in which asset prices like you know stocks, um, private assets, you know growth equity pre-IPO now crypto are uh, are feeling pressure. So let's talk how we got here. So so right now what we have is a an inflation problem, and a lot of people are asking like, what does that mean? Like how does inflation impact sort of my uh, my crypto portfolio. And so there's linkages. And I think that's, I think that that's what needs to be discussed. So I think there's a few points. One is um, the US government, Congress in 1913, outsourced uh, two of its economic tasks away from the administration into the Fed's hand. Uh, uh, price stability, which is basically a, a way of saying inflation and maximum employment. So these are the two objectives that the Congress outsourced to the Fed to manage on behalf of the, the government. And we should say for folks who are relatively new to the macro side, there are two competing objectives. Uh, what you're talking about here is a generally called the dual mandate. Uh, and balancing this out, maximizing employment and having stable prices are generally sort of two effects that are on the opposite side of the lever. Uh, you can optimize for one, you can optimize for the other, but it's very difficult, some would say impossible, to optimize simultaneously for both when you have challenges on both sides, as we do right now. Exactly. And so the, the equation goes, if inflation is high, then the Fed needs to uh, taper down inflation to sort of a long-term average of about, about 2%. Right now, inflation is at about 8 to 9%. Uh, well, it's anywhere between 5 and 8%. Uh, at high, it's almost 9%. And the Fed wants to hit, taper down to about 2%. And, and that is a, a governmental mandate. Uh, and the reason that is, is be, because inflation really hurts uh, the working uh, folks, uh, because a lot of folks have, you know, a lot of folks have you know, sometimes less than $1,000 in their bank account. And so if you're paying 50 bucks more for gas, then, then it really hurts a lot of the population. So by to, to, to ring on inflation, the Fed has to sort of raise interest rates. And that is sort of the linkage between uh, the macro world and then our world. So if the Fed has to raise interest rates, um, before it was at almost 0%, now it's going to be about 2%. So then uh, by raising interest rates, really the first way it hits the market is, so we're talking what, we're, what, we, uh, what this term is called a monetary policy transmission mechanism. So long, it's a long, fancy forward phrase, but it's really a, a, an academic phrase. What it really means is how the Fed's policy rate really impacts each part of the markets. So whether it's the bond market, stock market, private equity, venture capital, now crypto, everything in my world is sort of a, a domino. Everything's interconnected. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. And so when one sort of goes through volatilities, there's correlations in, in prices between assets. When one changes, the others will change. So what happened was the Fed began wanting to raise rate rates last November. The first market that it hit, as it always hits, is the public market in the bond and equities. So when when rates go up, and we all know, sort of, you know, in, in finance classes, young classes, um, uh, uh, the discount rate, you know, basically, you know, the future cash flow divided by the, 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 the discount rate, the, the denominator, when that goes higher, the present value of your asset goes lower, and that, you know, obviously, you know, you know, affects the public market. So what happened is 
Fed, the Fed began raising rates. I know this is a little bit maybe confusing for some people, but the, the idea here uh, is that the further out you go on the risk curve from the sort of extreme safety of, for example, treasury securities uh, that have no default risk, but obviously have market risk in terms of uh, inflation changes and those yields and maturities getting priced differently, uh, all the way out to the extreme end of the spectrum, uh, whether I, I guess you could go through, uh, for example, uh, tech stocks, then venture capital, private equity that's very risky, and ultimately to crypto as we think about that risk curve, the farther out you go on that risk curve, the greater the impact, the greater the sensitivity from interest rate changes because you're discounting future cash flows at that higher rate. Exactly. And just a mathematical example, if you're dividing $100 by 1%, you get 10 grand. But if, you dip your, but if, but if the discount rate goes to 2%, which is not that much change, but then your present value decreases by you know, 50%. So, so a small change in interest on the discount rate can have huge impact. And that's what happened in the stock market, public market. And because venture capital and pre-IPO growth equity markets uh, look at the public markets as a benchmark, when the public markets go down, the private markets, which use the public market as an anchor, have to adjust down. And then when, when that happened, uh, folks began losing money on paper and in real terms in the stock market. Because I think a lot of pre-IPO investors became public market investors when their pre-IPO holdings, like your Palantir, their Airbnbs, et cetera, became public. So every VC that has had an IPO exit really became a public market investor. When things go down, uh, you know, I think the selling begins and that first began in the pre-IPO, the growth markets. And I think that in some way has trickled down into the crypto market. And so that's why you're seeing sort of the domino effect from changes in macro to public to private and now to crypto. Um, and so I'm, and so that process has been going on since November of last year. Yes. As we weave this story together, one other point that it's important for people to realize, I think this is fascinating. One of the things we hear often is that we haven't been at a place where we are today in terms of the global macroeconomic landscape since the 1970s, the times that we had these uh, challenges with significant inflation, uh, decelerating growth, so-called stagflation in the term of art. And the thing that many people have said, particularly older people who have had the opportunity to see these markets, uh, older investors who've been here since the 70s, they always point this out that we're in truly unprecedented territory in terms of the exposure, the framework that most investors have, because they've simply never seen an inflationary environment. If you're in your 20s, your 30s, or even your 40s, uh, you've probably never seen anything even remotely like this. One of the fascinating things about your career is that you worked for Paul Volcker, who had that experience at the Fed. Tell us a little bit about that, how it came to be, and what you learned. Yeah, so I, uh, uh, so he unfortunately passed away, I think, a few years ago, but I worked for him when he, in his 80s uh, as a consultant to, to one of his uh, research projects at his think tank. So Paul Volcker, for those who may not know, is this legendary Fed chair who is the last uh, Fed chair to combat inflation by raising interest rates dramatically to smash inflation out of the system during the Carter and Reagan administration. Yeah, that was way before I think I was I was born. I think that was like in the late 70s and uh, early 80s. So, um, you know, what we learned was sort of one is um, inflation. Um, it doesn't appear often, but when it does, it's it, it can hurt all, all facades of the, the, the U.S. and the world economy. Um, so on the consumer side, I think earlier we mentioned a lot of folks in this country have, you know, a thousand dollars saved in the bank account. So when you're paying 50% more on the gas, uh, you know, for, for gas, your, your, your savings are going down quickly. So that hurts the consumers. 
And on businesses, what happens is, you know, businesses pass the uh, increasing prices to their consumers. And so, you know, consumers were, were, were worse off. And the, on the financial market side, it, it really, um, it, it really sort of, you know, increases the discount rate, which hurts as value. So kind of, I mean, no, no, no analogy is perfect, but in my mind, uh, uh, inflation is like a, a fever in a, in a human being. And when you have a high fever, um, it, it really hurts all, all, all sort of parts of your body. You're, you're having headaches, you're having body aches. So inflation is like a prevalent, persistent problem. Uh, and that is why inflation um, is one of the core, one of the, one of the two key core mandates of the Fed um, is to, to manage inflation at about 2% is sort of, uh, is what's comfortable for, for the for business consumers. And right now when it's at 8%, four times more, it's caused a lot of volatility. So, so that is why right now, as we speak, uh, between the two objectives that the Fed has between maximum employment and price stability, inflation has become the, the more important um, priority. Hey, if you like this clip, be sure to check out the full interview and more only on realvision.com forward slash crypto. It's 100% free. Sign up now.